0: five four three two one warning
1: you're about to experience an unpleasant truth
2: america must choose to build a future or obsess about the past to be a nation of fear division and of darkness use your aggressive feeling embrace anger Chaos, truth but in the shadow of lies
0: Let the hate flow through you
2: Together we can choose a different path
0: Join me and together we can rule the galaxy
2: Our nation of fear, division and of darkness Break me
0: down with all of your hatred And your journey towards the dark side will be complete
2: Embrace anger, thrive on chaos But in the shadow of lies. So this is how liberty dies. With thunderous applause.
1: Live across the fruited plain and from sea to shining sea. Three hours of bold, truth, excellence, and optimism for America. The Wendy Bell Radio Programme.
3: Welcome back. Hour number three of the Wendy Bell radio program. Delighted to be with you and to be joined once again by our national security expert, John Guandolo. John is a former federal agent. He served as a Marine. Guy knows so much about this the threat of this jihadi this islamic movement here in the united states and we're going to get to that john welcome i want to i want to ask you first about something that you and i both stumbled upon in a very intriguing real clear investigations article suggesting it wasn't it wasn't russia 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 it was ukraine in 2016
4: welcome back thank you very much for having me yeah and i think this this is really important uh, with regards to everything we're dealing with today, and I'm really grateful to Paul Sperry and all of his work that he's he's done. And, and this piece of investigative work, in my opinion, is so significant to uh, what we're dealing with right now with regards to the lies that are being uh, poured out on the American people by the administration and by the media and the people colluding with them. So just to lay this out for the people, and what I what I have found, in my opinion, is you know when things happen and while you're going through them, it seems chaotic, and people realize something's wrong. But when the dust settles and you actually look at what happened, you realize uh, it wasn't just yeah this was a, a bad situation or politicians were playing politics. It was this this was a violation of federal law in order to keep Mr. Trump from becoming the president of the United States. That's what this was about. And people like Joe Biden and Mrs. Clinton and the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine and people at the State Department, people in the media, and people around this should be in jail for this. And so first, let me lay on the table for people not aware. It is against the law for U.S. officials to work with foreign officials to meddle with U.S. elections. Now, that should seem common sense, and there have actually been, like the FBI, prosecuted over a dozen Russians uh, for being involved uh, in this, but interestingly enough, so we know it matters. That's the point. People have been indicted and convicted for these crimes, be they foreigners meddling or people here. So what you have is assist- you have the- I'll just lay out kind of the key players. Sure. you have Joe Biden, you've got guys like John Brennan, you've got Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. and you've got and especially Obama, Biden and Clinton. they're at the center of this. And many of the people that are now in the Biden administration that were in the Obama administration are key players. people like at the time, Assistant Secretary of State Victoria Newland, uh the ambassador, US ambassador to Ukraine, Jeffrey uh Pyatt, uh Jake Sullivan, who's now the national security advisor to Mr Biden, uh and, and a real key player who worked uh was really a Ukrainian advocate because she comes from a Ukrainian background here in the US, working with Clinton and Biden and the media, like Michael Isikov when he, the New York Times and others, uh Alexandra Chalupa, um, and working with Ukrainian political officials at the top level, uh, and it began with Newland, the Assistant Secretary of State and the Ambassador Jeffrey Pyatt, to the Ukraine, uh, working to remove at the time the president of the Ukraine, so they could get their guy in. Um, now I want to <laughs> I want to be clear. Again, we've talked about this. These people follow the communist template because. That's their bent. That's who they are. And they accuse you of what they do. And you've talked about this, and we've talked about this. So they did exactly to Mr. Trump what they accused Mr. Trump of doing. And this is very important. And I don't care whether you like Mr. Trump, you don't like Mr. Trump, you like Mr. Biden, you don't like Mr. Biden, you like Hillary Clinton, you don't. There were laws broken, and there, was in, there were foreign intelligence assets working with Mrs. Clinton, Joe Biden, and these other people I just worked with, and I'm talking about the security services of the Ukraine, the intelligence services, and politicians in the Ukraine working to fabricate things like they did. And we now know as evidence that the FBI looked at it. It's already been reviewed in Congress by the FBI. We know that they fabricated evidence, the Ukrainians, in cahoots with Mrs. Clinton, Joe Biden, Barack Obama, and these other people, in order to keep Mr. Trump from becoming President of the United States. Mm -hmm. And that's against the law. So let's talk about that. What did they fabricate? Well, they were working to find a way to attack Mr. Trump. They felt that Paul Manafort, who became uh, Mr. Trump's uh, campaign guy, uh, would be a good guy because he was working with the Russian government on business deals and other things, and they thought that they could spin it up to show that he's some kind of pro-Putin guy, and so he's a he's a you know he's basically a Nazi. That that was the line, and they got DOJ to play ball. They got the FBI to reopen, like they're doing now, like they're doing now with this FBI asset. They 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 got. Um, the FBI to drop the investigation that they were they were working on Burisma and they got him to focus on Paul Manafort and they Ukrainians fabricated for instance a handwritten supposed ledger of cash payments to Paul Manafort well the funny thing is just as a so we get the nitnoid details your audience needs all of the payments Paul Manafort got when he was working with the Russians were wire transfers. There were no cash payments. So that's one thing, but it was proven by the FBI that was a bull crap ledger. It was made up. The Ukrainians on their end were pushing this. So when we talk about, when, when I have said on your show that the Ukrainians were up to their eyeballs in the Trump-Russia collusion, I mean their intelligence service, their their enforcement agencies and their politicians were all involved in this
3: with our cia and and fbi by the way
4: that's right with the department of justice the fbi with the state department in the form of ambassador the assistant secretary of state people like jake sullivan uh you know people like michael isikoff writing uh and and this woman alexandra chalupa who is uh besides her name being unfortunate it's it's interesting because she is in the middle of the of this whole thing. Now, there are other key players, but I think it's really important, and I, I really encourage people um, to understand this. And I, uh, I don't know if you want to put – I can uh, – I think you've got the link yeah, to the we've article. Got it. Maybe, maybe we, one.
3: we already do. One of the parts that was interesting to me is, as they were talking in this in this article about Victoria Newland, who, by the way, was the one who blew the whistle on, yes, we do have biolabs in Ukraine, and a hell of a lot of them. She kind of ran the the, 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 the color revolution in Ukraine to get Poroshenko in and, and to That's do it, right? right? And all these people whose names you're like, wait a minute, I, I've heard that name before. And they're all starting to connect, John.
4: That's right. And and the American people, uh, I really encourage you, you can't fight this war for liberty on a you know bumper sticker slogan. Correct. You've, you've got to stop. You've got to take the time. If you're still not convinced that the federal government is working against you, and there are people that don't understand that because they're going to work, they're coming home, they're taking care of their children, they, this hasn't sunk in yet. You got to take a pause. Take an Take a evening. Take a Saturday. Take a, Take several days, and really dig in and just look at the absolute facts of how corrupt. And I want to be clear. Somebody uh, just. I had a meeting yesterday, and somebody asked, "What do you think is the greatest uh, threat to the Republican?" I, I, as you've heard me say it on the show, I said the Republican leadership because they are holding the door open and paving the way for everything I just said. The Republicans in Congress, the Republicans in positions of authority could have done something in 2015, 2014, when this was initiated in January, 2014, when all this, uh, they were laying the groundwork for this. And then as soon as Mr. Trump got the nomination, uh, man, that was the target. Mm -hmm. Um,
3: well, John, I want to You've say, got this. To know this. yes, you're right. And this is what I've been saying all this week, The the days of being on autopilot, uh, of sitting comfortably uh, on cruise control are over with. Uh, this is information we own and, and we have to empower ourselves. Now, folks, what you don't know, uh, perhaps, is that John Guandolo created the first training program for the FBI on global Islamic, the global Islamic movement. It's doctrine and its strategy here in the United States and also globally. What you don't know is the price he has paid for telling the truth. He understands what it's like to be in the crosshairs. And I'm going to ask him about that and his business, understanding the threat, next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Our national security expert, John Guandolo, returns. And, John, before we talk about your very personal experience, being basically hunted down and dismantled by people who don't like your truth, I want to ask you quickly about this very cozy relationship we're seeing between Huma Abedin and Alex Soros. Mm -mm -mm. That's a match made in heaven, babe. John
4: did we lose john sorry sorry <laughs> about that uh my face hit my mute button <laughs> um i've done so, that 50
3: times it's the worst I was, what do you think yeah, about huma and
4: alex they're so cute well yeah yeah wonderful so you've got the uh, the heir and the uh, really the the leader now of the uh, soros machine which is a destructive anti-liberty yes. uh, tyrannical machine yes. as i'm hoping your audience is well aware well aware now who Huma Abedin, and this is really important, who was uh, not only what, when she got married did Bill Clinton officiate the service, she has been close with the Clintons for years. She is one of the reasons, uh, in my professional opinion, that so, much, uh, so many of the jihadis got inside the Clinton administration, and she has been a tremendous asset for them. She, uh, her entire family, her father mother, her brother, and Huma herself uh, worked with organizations and individuals uh, directly tied to the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, du- directly tied to Sheikh Nasif, who created the uh, Rabida Trust, which funded al-Qaeda, al- uh, and her father and brother, and she all worked for the uh, Journal for Muslim Minority Affairs. Uh, where he was a, a board member and he's an Al Qaeda funder, uh, which was a propaganda arm for the Islamic movement. Um, so she's not a small bit player in the jihadi movement, and so this is a great example not of only the jihadi's and the communists working together, right? Uh, but a really dangerous sign of uh, just imagine two the, you know the the two arch villains. Their daughters and yeah. sons marrying right. I mean, that's what this is. Right We're a Marvel movie.
3: yeah, we're a Marvel movie right now and it's it's scary, John, your your business understanding the threat, what you did to to educate the federal government about what's going on under the behind the scenes here with communism, with the jihadi, Islamic movement. they came for you. Knives out, John, you've got three minutes. I want you to, to tell everybody what happened and why this is personal to you.
4: Well, it's personal to me because the work I did in the bureau, Um, I created the first program in the government that walked out the Islamic movement, what they're doing, why they're doing it, and how they're doing it. Mm -hmm. And it was a two-week program, and we had 50 people from every government agency, local police, and from 10 field offices around the country, including a number of analysts from DOJ, and the number two guy at the terrorism financing inside DOJ, I was working with at the time, great individual, Jeff Breinholt, uh, was, you know, sat in as much as he could. Uh, We had an assistant U.S. attorney go through the entire two weeks, and they all said, all the students said, everyone needs to know this, not just people in government, every police officer, every citizen. And so when the DOD recruited me out of the Bureau in 2008, I continued that work, and we began briefing senior leaders, and I've talked about that on your show. Mm-hmm. When Obama defunded us, um, I basically, in 2012, continued doing this in the private sector and um, continued teaching, training, and I, I continue to do it today, but I created Understanding the Threat because that's the key, and they came after me. I mean, I've had, I could you know, been threatened. The FBI has actually investigated people that are I've tried to kill me, jihadis, to be specific, uh, Pakistanis and others. Um, I've had to put my family under protection uh, on at least one occasion, uh, like heavy protection. I've uh, been—I was audited two years in a row by the IRS under the Obama administration, uh, and I, you know, after just being at the Capitol uh, praying with a group of people, I was put on the TSA watch list for 19 months. And in 2016, after I spent a week in Minnesota and wrote an article detailing how the governor, the lieutenant governor, the mayor of Minnesota, the mayor of Minneapolis, the sheriff, the U.S. attorney uh, for Minneapolis were all working with communists and jihadis. They're working with Hamas. They're working with Muslim Brotherhood groups. They're working with easily identifiable uh, terrorist networks there in Minnesota. Um, both on the Somali side and on the, the non-Somali Muslim Brotherhood side. And uh, that's They came for you, so and they came for the, you, the, and they
3: took you down. Yeah. They came and, for and him, to, and to they, be, this, be, this is why, ladies and gentlemen, we have them on. John, I've got 30 seconds. They are yours.
4: Well, I just want to say, they sued me. They came after me civilly because a sheriff— of Minneapolis attacked me at a sheriff's conference and then sued me for defending myself. And in Dallas court, who was in the court? The attorneys, uh, Peter Krause, one of the biggest Obama fundraisers in Texas and the United States, Lisa Blue, one of the biggest fundraisers for Hillary Clinton, and sitting in the courtroom every day were members of Hamas doing business as care. Who were lovey-dovey with the lawyers every day.
3: This is why we have him on, ladies and gentlemen. To understand the threat, you have to be in its crosshairs, apparently, and John Guandolo has been. John, have a good weekend. Thank you for being here, ladies and gentlemen. Do not go anywhere. Yes, good news and bad jokes, but we've got something serious to discuss on the flip side of this break, and we will next. Hmm. You know, it is um, it is not worth celebrating as a conservative when you see Democrat-run cities struggling. It is common sense. And if you like to chill out at 30,000 feet where we like to be and you see the landscape very clearly down below, you can connect all the dots, cause and effect, of course. If you want to demonize the police, you want to kneecap the police, you want to defund the police... You want to dehumanize the police. Police won't want to be police. And then all of a sudden you will have a dearth of applicants and everybody will be looking at each other saying, what happened? And then you'll have to do the predictable thing. Well, maybe we better water down the requirements a little bit. We don't need you to be in college or a graduate. We don't even need you to be a high school graduate. Just have your GED. Great. Just beautiful. Democrat-run cities fail for a very specific reason. Their leadership sucks. I don't know how much more clear I can be. So this headline today, New York Post, San Francisco store requires customers to shop with employees escort to curb rampant shoplifting. So when you go to this hardware store, you need somebody from the staff to walk with you. To ensure that you're not taking things. What if you took things anyway? What are they going to do? Honest to God. What are they going to do? Frederickson's hardware and paint in the city's Cow Hollow neighborhood. They put up a sign announcing that certain during uh, that during certain hours, it's going to be taking customers only one at a time with a personal escort to shop to curb the incessant thefts. That's just Sad it is sad, it is pathetic, it is inexcusable, and it is totally fixable when you, when you get out of, if you can extricate yourself from progressive, communist, socialist, Marxist programs and policies that are sheer lunacy. So there you go, treating, treating adults like children, and walking you one at a time to do your shopping. That is San Francisco, California, ladies and gentlemen. Now, as a, as a close second in the Biden debacle, is this that we spied on CNBC? So, the guy who's the CEO of Kellogg, the cereal brand, right? His name is Gary Pilnick. And he's on CNBC and he's obviously pushing this idea that, hey, Just like gold is a great investment that weathers the test of time, cereal is a wonderful hedge against inflation, too. And if you can't eat dinner, just have cereal. Wait, what? This really isn't a kumbaya. Everybody's doing really well. Look at how great we are. (gasps) People can't afford to eat meat, so they're going to eat cereal for dinner. Just listen to the setup. We have two audio sound bites for you, and he's going to come out, this this Pilnik guy, CEO of Kellogg, he's going to come out, he's going to say, we're going we're gonna to meet people where they are. We got to market to them. We're aware, we're focused on making that connection with our brand, because nobody's got any money.
1: Go. The cereal category has always been quite affordable, and it tends to be a great destination when consumers are under pressure. So... Some of the things that we're doing is first messaging. we got to reach the consumer where they are. So we're advertising Broke. about cereal for dinner. If you think about the cost <sighs> of cereal for a family versus what they might otherwise do, that's going to be much more affordable.
3: What? He's just going to drop this little nugget on you. We're going to meet consumers where they are. And, and we do polls out of the wazoo and people can't afford to eat. So we're going to push out our cereal.
1: I want to know what cereal he's saying okay. is affordable, by the way.
3: Right? And it's then, not fruity pebbles. And then the guy, then the guy from CNBC is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Say, what? You're saying cereal for dinner? Listen.
1: The idea of having cereal for dinner, um, <laughs> is there the potential for that to land the wrong way? Yeah. Uh, We don't think so. In fact, it's landing really well right now, Carl. Perfect. When we look at all of our data, of course, we would know that breakfast cereal is the number one choice for in-home consumption. We understand that for breakfast. It turns out that over 25% of our consumption is outside the breakfast occasion. A lot of it's at dinner, and that, that occasion continues to grow.
3: It's out of the breakfast occasion. It's for dinner, which is, you know, it's just great that we can be there to fulfill their needs. Dude! People can't afford food. Newsflash. I'm no economist. Do, 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 do. This just in. That's a smokescreen of suck, if I ever heard it. We're going to meet people outside of the uh, breakfast occasion because I've been told by an insultant that I should use these words. What I should say is the economy freaking sucks cause Joe Biden his policies suck and people are really scrapping and cereal is perennially cheap usually. And it's a lot more affordable than eating a steak. That's scary. Just kinda of slept off. Yeah. Yeah, we're excited here at Kellogg. We're gonna meet the occasion. We're gonna meet customers where they need us. In the soup line. Excellent. Come on over. Get some Get some cereal. All right. You know what we need. And we need a two for Today's a big day. Big day. Oh, boy. Baby, like so, you know, my boyfriend, he still doesn't know me, but I know him. Steve Hartman from CBS News. He travels all around the country and tells beautiful stories. And I got I got a double decker for you today. Okay. And the first one is very sweet, because rarely do you get to see the person behind the camera. And Steve Hartman has worked with the same guy for three decades until just recently. Enjoy.
0: I knew I was going to get a hook. If you (laughs) could look backward through the lens of the camera that captured the most memorable moments of my career. No way. You'd (laughs) see the eye of photographer Bob It was pretty. But now, sad to say, Bob is retiring.
2: It's like Simon and Garfunkel breaking up, you know, it's similar to that. Or it could be like Bonnie and Clyde breaking up. Didn't they die? Or they got shot. (laughs) But but, but they were gonna break up.
0: (laughs) His wit and dear friendship have made my work feel like anything but. Go ahead and see this one we've been partnered for the better part of 30 years now traveled to every corner of the country covered the strange and the somber the hurry ups and the waits, and to think it all began with a chance meeting at a company holiday party
2: and he was sitting down by himself because nobody liked him and um, i said to him "Um, if you want a cameraman i'm your man
0: i was drawn to his humility but working with him wasn't so much about like his raw talent as a cameraman, it was just fun.
2: But the raw talent definitely was there.
0: We've been told (laughs) we're like an old married couple and I know many of you can relate. In fact, this week we put out a call on Facebook asking to hear from other work spouses. Hundreds chimed in and the relationships they described sounded an awful lot like real marriages.
2: It makes it a joy to come to work. Right. You don't really have to explain certain
1: things. They just know what you're thinking. He's
0: my mentor. He's my confidant. Yeah, this is
3: love. I mean, this is what love looks like.
0: Match made in heaven. <laughs> Bob and I couldn't agree more.
2: You used to tell me, I love you like my dry cleaner.
0: <laughs> I had a good dry cleaner. Well, now I love you more than my dry cleaner. More than dry cleaner. Okay, here's the story. People have always told me I have the best job in America. And it's true, but not for the reason everyone assumes. Rather, because every week, I've had Bob by my side to share the experience.
2: So you're going to miss me?
0: I'm going to miss you a lot.
2: We started out as work friends, and we became
0: best friends. And that part will never change. Steve Hartman, on the road with Bob Kakamis.
3: I just think that was fantastic. And I love that connection because I've had it for a long time too. All right, in this next good news offering for you, because we believe that you deserve this as well. It's that moment that two mothers realize that their sons are gonna be A-okay.
0: How do kids behave when no grown-ups are around? Danette Mabes of South Brunswick, New Jersey says, you never really know.
2: Because you're not watching him at that moment and at that time.
0: She had always just assumed her son was good. Right. Until recently, when 13-year-old Gavin Mabes got caught on tape showing his true character.
2: Oh, my god.
0: Gavin and some middle school friends had just arrived at a skate park. The park was empty, except for little Carter Brunel, who was here with his mother celebrating his fifth birthday. Carter is autistic. Big groups of older kids can make him nervous. So his mom, Kristen, was fully prepared to get him out of there. She just wasn't prepared for what happened next.
1: I don't know, they've really just shocked me. It was unlike any experience I think I've ever had.
0: You know how middle school kids sometimes operate like they're in a pack? Well, that's pretty much what happened here. Gavin led the way and the others followed. The only surprise was that Gavin didn't start trouble. He started a friendship. This
1: kid's already better than me. Gavin's just going around with him and making him feel special. Mom. And the rest of his friends kind of followed suit and then started singing happy birthday to him. Happy, happy birthday!
0: That really blew you. me away. Because oh. you just want to see the kindness in the world. And
1: I wanted Carter to have a good birthday. Happy to you.
0: It was such a great birthday. Yeah. And such a kind deed. Even the local police department responded. And we're going to throw you guys a pizza party next week over at school. But here's the best part. Since their first meeting, Gavin and the middle schoolers have continued to go out of their way to play with Carter. How
1: you doing? He was just so
3: happy and he made us all happy. So fun to be around. Yeah. He's rad. <laughs> yeah.
0: And as for the moms, You're
2: awesome.
0: for them, this was a moment of parenting utopia, where the only thing better than seeing your kid treated kindly is knowing that your kid is treating others kindly even when you're not watching. That was so
3: cool. I was just so proud of him. You want to race? (laughs) He's good.
0: You did it right. Thank you. (laughs) Steve Hartman on the road in South Brunswick, New Jersey.
3: And that is why you know why we have good news. All right, quick timeout. when we come back on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Bad Joke Friday. Do not miss it. You know what? We work every day, every day, putting together the headlines for you, digging into the stories, giving you the websites, sharing the sources, bringing you interviews, opening, hopefully, your mind. And at the end of it, you deserve this because it's the best. Go.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I just flew in from New York and boy, my arm's tired. (laughs) I'm joking, of course. (laughs) Anywho. Welcome to the comedy club. Won't you give it up to Wendy and Brock for Bad Joke Friday?
3: <laughs> All right, Dr. Richard Rafferty from the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh always has the first one, and here's how it goes. It was a new blonde flight attendant's first day on the job. The route she was flying required that the crew make a stop in another city for the night. Well, soon after their arrival, the captain made sure they all got to the hotel and to their rooms. Next morning, as the pilot was preparing the flight to leave, he noticed his new blonde flight attendant was missing. And knowing what room she had been staying in, he gave her a call. When she answered the phone, she was crying uncontrollably. The captain asked her, well, why are you crying? Well, she said she couldn't get out of her room. She couldn't do it. Captain replied, well, what do you mean? that you can't get out of your room. She said, well, well, there's only three doors in here. One is the bathroom, one is the closet, and the other door says, do not disturb.
1: Gosh, <clears throat> that was bad.
3: It was awesome, it why, was awesome.
1: Why, we got a lot of blonde jokes. Why did the blonde get <laughs> fired from the M&M factory? Why? She kept throwing away the W's. <laughs>
3: <laughs> why are chickens so funny? Because they give bad yokes.
1: <laughs> Sometimes I wake up grumpy; other times I just let, let her sleep in.
3: Mm-hmm. I have a pillow that says that. So nice try. Why can't pine? Che- Why can't pine trees sew? Because I always drop their needles.
1: <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> my wife says, "Why do you keep trying to push all my buttons?" I replied, "Sometimes it's just hard to find the mute button." Oh boy.
3: Wow. What do you call a snowman's dog? Slush puppy.
1: What do you call a man who can't stand?
3: Uh Matt? Neil. Neil. <laughs> 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 it's so stupid. Knock knock. Who's there? Tank. Tank who. You're welcome. Oh my God. <laughs> Hold on, hold on. There's oh more there's more. That... There's more. Oh knock, great. Knock knock. Who's there? Hair combs. Hair combs who? Here comes the bride. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Whoa. You should have. Somebody
3: took the time to write that out in an email (laughs) and to send it to us. That is what's delightful about Bad Joke Friday. Go ahead.
1: I asked my friend (laughs) Sam to sing a song about the iPhone, Mm -hmm. and then Sam sung.
3: Oh, gosh. Last night, my wife suggested we kind of spice it up a bit by playing doctor. So Ooh. I put her on a bed, how rolled her into the hallway, and ignored her for hours.
1: <laughs> That's actually a good That's
3: joke. That's fantastic.
1: A teacher asks a student, if you had one dollar, and you ask your father for another dollar, how many dollars would you have? Student answers, one dollar. Teacher says, you don't know your arithmetic. Student answers, you don't know my
3: dad. Facts. I bumped into a cross-eyed person while out shopping, and they shouted, you need to watch where you're going. And I replied, you need to go where you're looking.
1: <laughs> I got mugged by five dwarfs last night. Oh,
3: my. Not happy. Oh, my God. <laughs> my boss called all angry, asking, where are you? I said, I'm here. You just can't see me. Identify as trans parent. My pronouns are who and where.
1: That's cute. Why did the fish blush? Why? Because he saw the lake's bottom. Oh,
3: God. My wife asked me to take her to a restaurant where they make the food in front of you. So she got all dolled up and I took her to Subway. And that's how the fight started. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. Devil, devil man. That, that,
1: that's funny. <laughs> Why should you never trust a tree? Oh, I don't know. Because they're shady.
3: I went to the store to buy some condoms. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. And the cashier asked me if I needed a bag. I told him that won't be necessary. She's not that ugly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was worth it. <laughs> that, that was that was. I only know 25 letters of the alphabet. Uh-oh. Yeah, I don't know why.
3: Change my password to incorrect, so whenever I forget what it is, the computer says, Your password is incorrect. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you know what the leading cause of dry skin is? I don't. A towel.
3: I saw two dudes wearing the same outfit sharing a box of donuts, and all I did was tell them that they looked like a happy couple, and they decided to arrest me. <clears throat>
1: <clears throat> there was a huge fight at the seafood restaurant last night. Oh, my. Yeah, there were battered fish everywhere. <laughs> That is
3: stupid. stupid. Why did the artist, I'm sweating after that. Why did the artist take everything too far? He never knew where to draw the line.
1: (laughs) I'm sure you've heard of Murphy's Law.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: But have you ever heard of Cole's Law?
3: I've been trying to finish writing a book about what? what? Cole's Law.
1: Oh, it's thinly sliced cabbage with salad dressing. Yeah, I figured
3: we figured out what that was. You needed to actually tell us the last line. I've been trying to finish uh, writing a book about surviving bankruptcy, but I cannot get out of chapter 11.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What's worse than a giraffe with a sore throat? Oh, what? A centipede with sore feet. That's true.
3: little boy tells his nursery school teacher he found a dead cat. How do you know it's dead, asked the teacher. Well, because I, I tinkled in its ear and it didn't move, said the boy. You did what, shrieked the teacher. You know, I leaned over and went, "psst!" and it didn't move. <laughs> See, it said pissed in his ear and I changed it to tinkle. <laughs>
1: Sorry. And ruined the joke.
3: (laughs) I did. I didn't want to offend anybody. See, I edited Bad Joke Friday. What are you, a
1: Democrat? It's
3: what you do when you're worried about the FCC being so liberal. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for the Wendy Bell Radio program this week. Follow us, Wendy Bell Radio Network app. Join us, Locals.com, Wendy Bell Radio. Get the podcast, Wendy Bell Radio. Stay safe. Come back on Monday. We love you guys. Peace.